I'm Mark Rice, and welcome to my Curious Ghosts and Folklore podcast, where in each episode I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And for this episode, a special bonus episode, I'll be looking at three ghost stories, not one, not two, but three ghost stories, all of which date from 19th century Wales, and also they include one of my favourite descriptions of a ghost ever, and I, I just couldn't for the life of me work this into any other podcast, but these stories include the ghost of a headless Jesus driving a coach, and I, I'll repeat that quickly, a headless Jesus driving a coach, and there are not many headless Jesuses that I know of out there haunting places, never mind one driving a coach. Now, the reason I have recorded a second episode this week, usually I try and release one episode a week, this week there are two episodes, and that is because on Saturday, August the 22nd, which depending on when you are listening to this, hopefully you are super keen and you downloaded it the second I uploaded it. If not, and you're listening back, August the 22nd, 2020 I should add, just in case you're listening back from well in the future, is or was the day when Haunted Happening took place. An event all over Twitter primarily, but I think it's out there elsewhere as well. If you pop onto Twitter and do a search for the hashtag Haunted Happening, you will find lots of people, including myself, sharing weird ghostly things for this day of reviving, or not, not so much reviving, but certainly putting ghosts centre stage for the day. And the reason I chose these three ghost stories for this episode, the reason I thought this would be perfect is that they were recorded by a man who, in the late 19th century, was lamenting the good old days of ghost stories. So nowadays, we talk about re-enchanting the world by putting these, not just ghost stories, by putting folklore and fairies and all of these wonderful myths and legends back into the world to, to add a spark of magic to, to what can be quite routine and monotonous lives. Well, this was happening way back in the late Victorian age. There were people in the Victorian age also lamenting the lack of magic in their lives. Now, the man that I will be quoting throughout this episode wrote his concerns to the local newspaper. Now, sadly, I don't have a name. He is simply referred to as the correspondent. So, For the purposes of this episode, if I quote this man directly, he is simply correspondent, Mr. Correspondent. Now, these three stories I originally published in one of my ghost books called Ghosts of Wales, Accounts from the Victorian Archives. And if you've listened to the very first episode of this podcast, uh, an episode called The Two-Headed Phantom, about a two-headed phantom, which was haunting or hunting Abbasachan at the time. That story is very closely connected to these three. So if you do enjoy this episode, and I hope you do, fingers crossed, I'd recommend going back at the end 
and listening to episode one of this podcast for a very, very similar story. But nevertheless, this was originally printed in my Ghosts of Wales accounts from the Victorian Archives book. And just to set the scene, I'd like to read to you the introduction of this man's letter, written and published in 1895 in the Flincher Observer. And the headline for the article as well, just to really set the scene, is A Haunted Coach and Headless Driver. But we're getting ahead of ourselves slightly. Let's start by setting the scene. And the man says, In the old times of long ago, it was considered that a house or neighbourhood which possessed a ghost had great attraction to the people for miles around. And it was deemed a valuable property if an old family wished to dispose of their ancient home if they could assure intending purchasers that a real ghost made some parlour, cellar or attic his own wherein he could exercise his nightly pranks during the long winter nights. I think many ancient stories sink into insignificance when the ghosts now perambulating parts of the above parish will be introduced to public notice. So we have some lovely Victorian language going on there, but I think the gist of what the man is saying very much applies now where people were used to having ghosts, whether they took them seriously or not is, is a totally different matter. But everyone had their stories of some kind of ghost in some kind of room in, in these large old properties, which for whatever reason, the people were turning their backs on. In order to readdress the balance a little bit, he submitted three of his favourite old tales from Whitford. Now, Whitford is a village in the northeast of Wales, right at the top, not far from Hollywell. And in the first story, story number one, it is said that some years ago, so this was published in 1895, so some time ago is presumably the 1800s, maybe sort of the later second half of the 1800s. And it was in the high parts of Whitford that a cottage with a garden became available, all of which looked very idyllic, and it caught the eye of a workman and his wife, and they snapped it up. Now, soon after, one autumn day, the man with his wife, who is described as an amiable spouse, was seen busily moving from one house to the other, moving their household goods and livestock into their new tenancy. And then for the next bit, I'm going to quote our correspondent quickly because I think he does a perfectly good job of setting the scene. And he says, When the shades of evening had covered the sky, the worthy husband was allowed by his generous wife to visit the nearest alehouse to partake of a well-earned glass of beer. In a short time, there burst into the public house a woman, breathless and trembling, and said to her husband, Tidadrev, which is Welsh for come home. Up jumped Tom and started for his new home manfully and courageously threatening violence on one and all who dare play jokes on his poor, amiable spouse. Now, that poor, amiable spouse, 
followed her husband home, somewhat reluctantly, but she followed him home. It was a very dark night. As has been mentioned, it was autumn time. It was said to be calm and cloudless. And the only lights they had illuminating the way were little specks in windows of other cottages in the distance of people who had not yet settled down to sleep. They arrived home. They cautiously entered the front door. It all seemed quite peaceful enough. They pulled up some chairs and a table and lit a candle to sit by the fire. And as the man of the house puffed away on his pipe and the lady of the house nervously looked around, there was an awful din and a horrible noise which caused the courage of Tom to ooze through his finger ends. Up he jumped, down went the table, out went the light. As a result of this shock, they were now in darkness, and whatever it was, it caused Tom to head straight to the door, and he ran as fast as his legs would carry him, hatless and bootless, across the fields, and he did not stop for a second until he arrived back at his old home. His wife also joined him there, and it, it isn't very clear if they were running hand in hand or whether he just just left her behind, you know, the, the perfect gentleman and just legged it and saved his own skin. And the livestock are not even mentioned at all, so I'm assuming he definitely left his sheep or cows or whatever he had behind to face this poltergeist alone. Either way, the two of them got back to their old house together. And after spending a miserable night in an empty barren house, the next day they got their stuff out of the other house as quickly as possible. And at the time of writing this, in 1895, the correspondent says the couple are perfectly happy in that house, that they have no intention of moving anytime soon, whereas the other house, and I am assuming this means it remained unoccupied, because he tells us it was left to the undisturbed possession of Mr. Ghost. And so ends the first of our trio of ghost stories from this correspondent looking to revive these old tales in what he saw as a dull and boring age. Or dull and boring when it came to lack of ghost stories, I should say. Maybe there were other things that, that excited him. But anyway, let's move on to the second story, to story number two. And this one will be short and sweet because it is by far the worst story, and, well, to be honest, if, if my aim was to reignite interest in ghost stories, I would not tell anyone this one, because it, it, it is a bit rubbish. But nevertheless, we are going to have all three stories, so let's get the rubbish one out of the way nice and quickly. Now, this story concerns some holy ladies, and I'm quoting there, so in inverted commas, some holy ladies, and holy, H-O-L-Y, just in case there's any confusion, these are not w women covered in holes, they are holy religious women, uh, ladies. These holy ladies had run out of room in their establishment, they, they were so popular, everyone wanted to join the holy ladies and so they had to find an other property in the parish now 
the property they found, the correspondent, suggests that maybe this spirit who had scared that couple out of their dream home, maybe that spirit had moved to another property because these holy ladies were, and I'll quote, disturbed nightly by mysterious noises and scratchings, but his ghost ship must have left for fresh fields and pastures new for a nobleman and a friend who were much interested in different kinds of ghosts volunteered to stay some nights in expectation of a confab with their ghostly friend but were doomed to disappointment. The end, full stop. Now, to wrap that story up quickly, and it will never be spoken of again, some holy ladies had outgrown their property. They had to get a new place to live in. They found somewhere, and while there, there were strange ghostly things happening. And so two men who were interested in this kind of thing offered to investigate, and they found nothing. The end. And I'm sure after listening to that story, everyone is now sitting perched on the edge of their seat, quaking in fear and dreading what is going to come next. But on on the plus side, I can promise you the third and final story of the trio is the best. And this is the story that involves the haunted coach and headless driver referred to in the title of this article. Now, it was one dark but starry night last October. So this was published in 1895. I am assuming this took place in October 1894. A pious deacon of a neighbouring chapel was on a journey from his respectable home between the hours of one and two in the morning. So from a respectable home, but out and about travelling at quite an unrespectable time. In all probability, he was probably seriously engaged in spiritual devotions, the correspondent says. So rather than just thinking rubbish while being out and about, he was wandering around engaged in spiritual devotions and quietly contemplating the starry firmament above when suddenly and noiselessly he beheld a carriage full of godly men drawn by a couple of spirited steeds guided by a headless Jesus coming from the direction of a noble mansion and going on the way to a religious establishment. So just to pause slightly there, I got slightly excited with the telling there, but this, this man of God is out and about wandering between one and two in the morning and he sees a carriage coming towards him, guided by a headless Jesus hurtling from a noble mansion on its way to a religious establishment. So let's say a church or a chapel or a cathedral or, well, there's no cathedral in Whitford that I know of, but some holy, sacred site of religious Christian significance, which was such a huge, huge part of Welsh culture at the time. And unsurprisingly, when he told people of this, the story spread quite quickly. And as a result, neither woman nor child, and I say this again and again, it's always the women and children in Victorian ghost stories who get scared. Never the brave Victorian men with their big moustaches. It's always the women and children. And as a result, 
they could not be seen out of doors after dusk even to do any household work. So the Victorian women were so scared by the tale of a headless Jesus, they couldn't even do housework. Shocking, absolutely shocking. And people travelling will give this road and mansion the widest berth. So by the sounds of it, purely as a result of one holy man's testimony, people were now avoiding this mansion and these places. So if anyone had any business or anything in that area, tough luck because he's gotten scared everyone away. And I just hope he was telling the truth because if he was wandering around after a bottle of sherry or something, and that's where the headless Jesus came from, then he caused a lot of trouble as a result. And the story is wrapped up by saying that unfortunate beings feel a creeping sensation if they must traverse any part of that road. Now, these are the three stories that this man sent to the Flincher Observer in order to reignite a passion for the paranormal in the late Victorian times. And I'll be honest, if it was me trying to get people interested, I would pick three previous stories from this podcast, all of which are a million times better than those three, although maybe it's easy for me with the benefit of hindsight to look back and cherry-pick the ones I would go for. But in fairness to this man, I guess Whitford is a much smaller catchment area than me picking from all of Wales, from an entire country. But if I were asked to pick my three Victorian ghost stories from Wales, then... I already mentioned the story of the two-headed phantom. It's it's an incredible story. That is why I decided to start this podcast with it. Episode one is the gruesome tale of the two-headed phantom. And if you do not know the story of the two-headed phantom, it's quite gory when it comes to explaining exactly how this phantom came to have two heads. Now, the second one I think I would choose would be one of my favourite ghost stories, which is the ghost to rival Hamlet's father. Now, this took place in Swansea in the Victorian age. I think it's episode number three. And what I what I particularly love about this story is that the police had to investigate. Now, there are not many stories of the police investigating ghosts out there because nine times out of ten... It's somebody either messing around or they've had one too many in the pub or something. But in this case, the ghost led to the discovery of skeletal remains buried in somebody's garden. And so the police had to take that one quite seriously. And third and finally, my number one Victorian ghost story would have to be the real-life Scooby-Doo dog, which, as the name suggests, yes... There was really a dog hunting down ghosts in the Victorian age, hence the name, the real-life Scooby-Doo dog. And I believe that one is episode five. So if I had to pick three, I would pick the two-headed phantom of Abbasachan, the ghost to rival Hamlet's father in Swansea, and the real-life Scooby-Doo ghost hunting dog. Not the three this man from Flincher chose, although I do love the idea 
of a headless Jesus driving a carriage at night. That is that is quite a unique image. And I also like these poltergeist stories, but I think where that story is let down nowadays is that it would really help if we could pinpoint the location. Because I'm assuming to contemporary readers, people at, at the time would probably work out or know what property he was talking about. And stories like that really work if you know the exact house they're talking about. To us nowadays, it, it involves a bit of guesswork, really. We, we don't know, but it, it would be great to have a rough idea of where this was said to have taken place. So maybe the people of Whitford could help out and maybe we can pinpoint exactly or roughly, roughly where this poltergeist was supposed to be. And if this is your first time listening to my podcast, maybe as a result of the the haunted happening event, or maybe you're just wasting time on the internet and stumbled across this Welsh ghost bloke and thought you'd have a listen, I hope that gives it a flavour of the kind of stories I would usually put on a full episode of this podcast. I upload new episodes, full-length episodes, based on my research into my books and things each and every Thursday. So please consider hitting the subscribe button, because that way you will never miss an episode ever And it puts a big smile on my face because I know people are listening and it's worth making more and more of them. I also like to ask on each episode if you have any thoughts on the stories that you've just heard because maybe you've heard similar stories elsewhere, maybe outside of Wales, elsewhere in the UK, elsewhere in the world, or maybe you are actually a local. Maybe, do you, do you live in Flincher? Are you familiar with Whitford? Maybe you're familiar with a cottage with a lovely garden at the top where maybe people still talk about the ghost, that pesky poltergeist that chased that couple out of their dream home. If so, please get in touch. Or even if not, it's always nice to hear from people. So track me down. I'm on social media on all of the main sites. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Do a search for Mark Rees. And if you put the word ghosts in or folklore or whales, I will pop up on top. So Mark Rees ghosts, you'll find me easy enough. Let me know what you think of this episode. And if you have any other thoughts you'd like to share, maybe you've got your own ghost stories and experiences you'd like to share, it would be absolutely wonderful to hear from you. All of which just leaves me to say thank you very, very much for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. It's been something of a challenge trying to get two episodes finished this week, but in a good way, in a very good way, I'm very happy that... Haunted Happening asked me to get involved and to be a part of all this. And also, I'm very happy I have finally had the chance to shoehorn that story about the headless Jesus into an episode. But just trying to do one podcast a week can be challenging at times. Trying to do two a week is enough to drive me to drink. So uh, I'm going to go and have a glass of wine now. You are all welcome to join me. Well, unless, you know, you're, you're listening to this at Harper State in the morning driving to work, in which case do not join me. But, you know, 
if it's half past nine at night, you're kicking back, relaxing of a legal age, then by all means, pour yourself a glass of wine, raise it in the air, and let's all say cheers, yechida together. And actually, for Haunted Happening, if you are listening to this on the day it is released, I will raise a glass on Twitter at about... Harper Seven? Is that is that a respectable time for, for glass raising? Harper Seven. Let's say Harper Seven on Twitter, August the 22nd. We'll all raise a glass to ghost stories. Anyway, on, on that note, as regular listeners will know, and if you subscribe, you will learn quite quickly, I do tend to waffle rubbish towards the end of an episode. So I think now is the time for me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioch and Varian am Grando. I've been Mark Rees. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast. It's the best. It's the beautiful. It's the only Ghosts and Folklore from Wales podcast. Until next time, Nusta. No